Medicare for all. Your bros can suck my balls. Fuck your reply, guys. Please don't fuck your reply, guys. Just listen to reply, guys. Hello and welcome back to Reply Guys. I am so excited to be here today with a personal hero of mine, somebody that whose work I just love both comedically and as an activist. Um, I am sitting down today with comedian and the creator of Abortion Access Front, formerly known, some may know it as Lady Parts Justice, um, and just really stoked to be talking to Liz Winstead today. Welcome to the show, Liz. Thanks, Kate. And right back at you. I love your work. Love your activism. Love you. Just all around love fest is happening. Oh, nice. I'm um, yeah, I, I'm we're, we're meeting on Zoom right now and I I love your hat. It's uh, you, you got you're you're getting the, the winter vibes going, the cozy vibes. Uh, um, it's cold. It is cold. And uh, I was trying to think of a clever segue, but I, I couldn't think of one between the weather and the assault on reproductive freedom around this country. So let's say, listeners to the show um, are probably folks that have been following this onslaught of terrible abortion laws all around the country. Um, can you give us like a quick overview of what has been happening recently for folks who may be, you know, passingly familiar or just tuning in? Sure. So the over it's it kind of goes from bad to worse. I hate to tell you, I am not going to be bringing you any sunshine. Um, you brought your talking, hat. So I brought yeah. my hat. Uh, we, we've been you know, hearing a lot about Texas in the news. And so for those that don't know, um, Texas is the 11th state to propose this six week abortion ban and the first state to actually have it enacted because all the other states were like, this shit's hot garbage and, and remarkably unconstitutional. Why would you even bring it to us? Die in a fire, get out. I'm paraphrasing of course, but that's what the courts had said to all the other states. Uh, the, the court of appeals with which, a Texas law goes through is the most conservative court in the land, like um, profoundly terrible. And so they upheld it. The Supreme Court said, while we make our decisions on whether or not this is constitutional, we're going to let it just stay a law. And on top of it, we all have heard that there is a bounty. Anyone is deputized in America and the world to hunt down anyone who is helping somebody access abortion. Doesn't matter what you're doing. Maybe you have a hotel someone stayed at. You didn't know they were getting an abortion. Doesn't matter if they got one, you could be on the hook for it. $10,000 is the lowest amount you could get. And so that's where we're at with Texas. But that's not even the big news. The big news is on December 1st, uh, the Supreme Court has allowed the state of Mississippi to decide whether it can say how abortion access will be happening in the United States, i.e. whether or not Roe v. Wade will remain a federal law in this country. If you're saying, I don't live in Mississippi, how does this affect me? Well, isn't that the rub? And isn't that why we need federal abortion laws? Because the fact that Mississippi can uh, move through their court system and all the way to the Supreme Court to actually bring a law that that state passed 
and have the Supreme Court say, even though it's unconstitutional and goes against the tenets of Roe v. Wade, we're going to hear it anyway, because we feel like it. Um, that affects you, because if it passes um, and or not, if it passes, if the Supreme Court says, hey, we find that a 15 week ban is fine in America, they will effectively overturn Roe v. Wade. That means 12 states in the nation will automatically overturn Roe v. Wade and ban abortions in all cases, which is basically 25 percent of the states um, in this nation. And we are going to find ourselves in a spot where reproductive access is uh, not available to something like 48 million people of reproductive age. I mean, so that's just Texas and Mississippi. And never mind that Ohio is filing a cap copycat law, just like Texas with the whole bounty hunting vigilante shit in it as well. So um, it's really bad. I mean, I, I feel a lot of despair when I think about these things, especially I think, you know, I mean, we have like a conservative majority on the Supreme Court. And to me, it seems like, you know, very likely that they are going to be maximally uh, conservative. And I hate that word conservative because it's just it's really just like a, a full on attack on reproductive rights. But um, I mean, what is what is your feeling about what's likely to happen here? Well, the with they heard the Texas law. And here's what was fascinating um, in in the Texas ruling. And I think that the Supreme Court took the Texas law because they want to soften the blow for when they throw down on Mississippi, because even Thomas, even Kavanaugh, even like Amy Coney Barrett, when when they asked the Texas solicitor, why is it you think it's constitutionally OK to deputize any rando to hunt down somebody helping somebody having an abortion? Dude said, because when people hear about other people having abortions, they are just as traumatized as the person having the abortion. So much wrong with that. And Clarence Thomas basically was like, get the fuck out of here. Like, sit down. Like, it was kind of astounding um, because nobody bought into that shit. And my favorite part was there's a caveat in this Texas law um, that said, if while this law is going through the court process, if at any point the law is allowed to remain in place and then goes back to being illegal, which is sometimes what happens through the courts, like the court will say, we're going to hear this, but we're going to let the law stay until we figure it out. Um, The window of time that the law was legal. And then it goes to be um, illegal. If you performed abortions during that time, you can be fined and charged. Which is unbelievably unconstitutional. And yet there it sits. And Brett Kavanaugh was very concerned about this piece of the law 
because of course, Brett Kavanaugh doesn't want anybody to retroactively sue about anything because that guy would have so much trashy, rapey, who knows what the hell in his closet. So he's like, well, we shouldn't be able to do that. So I think the Supreme Court is going to say this is wholly unconstitutional. Why they didn't say you can't enact this law is beyond me, but I think they're going to. And I think that that's going to everyone's going to be like, oh, good. But then Mississippi is going to happen. And I think that um, if Mississippi happens, then the other thing that's terrifying is there's a lot of laws that right now um, were struck down that were proposed um, like bans that were 10 week bans, 12 week bans. Um, if they say 15 week bans are fine, the Supreme Court, that means that all those laws that were struck down, this, the legislatures can bring those laws right back up and then push them through and they won't have. And then so they will just reduce um, abortion access by uh, making sure that abortions in their states, if they have conservative state legislatures, will only go to that amount. And, you know, it makes it harder to get abortion. Some people don't know they're pregnant until sometimes two or three months in. Most people don't have regular periods. Also, uh, to scramble money together with all of these laws in place, trying to find a place you can have an abortion. If there's waiting periods, do you have to get the money together? Do you have to get time off work? Childcare. There's so many hurdles to just access abortion that you could find yourself bumping up to that time frame really easily and then being denied care. Not to mention any abortion after 15 weeks, there is hundreds of reasons that uh, one would need an abortion after 15 weeks. And, and the biggest one is there's a lot of shit that happens in fetal development after 15 weeks that, that are anomalies that you don't even know. So it's really a mess. None of it's, none of it's to keep abortion safer. Abortion's super safe. It's all just to marginalize and chattelize and victimize people with uteruses, point blank. Uh, I mean, a lot of the discussion about abortion rights in the United States comes down to um, is Roe v. Wade going to be overturned? And listening to you talk about this right now, I'm wondering, like, you know, does does Roe v. Wade even have to be overturned for abortion to be illegal? Um, so that's my first question. And the second question is, will Roe versus Wade be overturned? You know, it's such a good question because for years, states have been eroding abortion rights for a really long time. And I think, you know, in the history of how we talk about abortion, there's Roe v. Wade, which get, which if you don't know the tenets of Roe v. Wade, let I'll throw it out pretty fast. Uh, Roe v. Wade allowed abortion for any reason on all 50 states um, up until 24 weeks, which is actually an arbitrary number that the court decided that there's a lot of medical um, controversy around whatever viability means after 24 weeks, then um, there are restrict, there should be restrictions and that kind of thing. So having said that, in that was in 1973, in 1992, there is another Supreme Court case called Planned Parenthood v. Casey. And in this case, the state of Pennsylvania argued 
that they wanted to be able to put conditions on abortion and and so to 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 make sure that people were making the right choice right and the supreme court said you can put conditions as long as you don't cause a quote undue burden on the person seeking the care they never defined what an undue burden was and it's a hole as big as a mac truck which is why i'm sure you've heard about like all these whack ass laws like uh, you have to have hospital admitting privileges and you have to have hallways that are wide enough for a gurney and you have to create many hospitals to have an abortion and have waiting periods. All of this shit was allowed because the Supreme Court never defined that. And so ostensibly, the Supreme Court said we're holding Roe v. Wade intact. But that Planned Parenthood v. Casey decision really allowed this erosion and put up these roadblocks and all these obstacles for folks that have made it nearly impossible to access care. If you are poor and it affects black and brown folks the most, depending where you live, if it's rural, urban areas, you don't have a car, you know, you're a single person. Most people who have abortions, by the way, are already parenting one or more children. And so it's, it's been a little bit of, a misnomer to think that this law is just out there and happening and we all have this right. We really don't. And and when you say, will Roe v. Wade be overturned? Um, if they decide in the Mississippi case that this 15-week ban is somehow constitutional, that in effect overturns Roe v. Wade. And then that sets off a whole series of Abortion goes back to the states and then it goes back to what I said earlier, which is all of these 12 states that already put laws in place that said if if the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, that they will trigger this law that will ban abortion for any reason in their state. So I think it's very likely that Roe v. Wade will be overturned. The question is, what are we going to do about it? A. There is stuff we can do. We can pay, which is what we should have been doing the whole time, which is pay incredible attention to our state legislatures and get into our state constitutions, a codification, a guarantee that abortion will be in the state constitution and a guaranteed right because they can't, they can't, if a state wants to do that, then it becomes in the constitution and it's really, really hard to overturn it. And that means you have to identify who these crackpots are in these states and get them out. Um, Another thing, thinking about the bigger picture, you know, we've heard all this talk about election certification and what's going to happen and how is our how is our vote going to even be counted? We need to make sure that our secretaries of state that are the people who solidify these these elections are good people that aren't going to, we're not going to have crackpots who are going to throw out um, election results to the way they want them. And then we have to make sure that we have governors who are going to veto garbage if it comes to them. Because right now we have a court system, a lower court system that Trump stacked that is virulently anti-abortion 
virulently anti-reproductive rights of any kind, birth control, all of it, even, you know, marriage equality, all of it. And so stopping them from getting through that path, you know, stopping these laws from ever happening is something that we all need to be incredibly diligent about. Also, I think we should expand the court. I think we should expand the Supreme Court. I don't care. Put 100 people on it. I don't really give a shit, but it needs to be expanded. I mean, I I completely agree with you. And, you know, beyond that, I don't really I mean, everything that you said, I'm 100 percent on board with with these goals. And I'm also feeling like a little bit um, I don't want to say pessimistic because that like implies that I don't think it's like, you know, worth trying or something. But, you know, I do. I do have a lot of conservative family members and I do know that the like mentality of these folks is like, not only are they voting for Republicans, like they are doing so because specifically because um, they believe that uh, abortion needs to be illegal and and are tremendously motivated by this issue um, to the point where like they voted for Donald Trump, who they thought was a disgusting person. But this was like the kind of the line for them. And so, I mean, to me, when it comes down to like the, the state legislatures in red states or even like judges on lower courts, like I'd. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to say it's impossible to convince people to stop voting in this way uh, or, you know, even to convince more people to turn out or even to, you know, make uh, improve um, access to polls and, you know, all of the, the terrible assaults on voting rights. But, you know, all that said, like, I, you know, I just don't. <laughs> I, I, I'm definitely not optimistic about like being able to to do this at a state level in in red states, at least any time in the super near future. So well, I know it's and it's not even just red states, you know, it's states that are purple. It's states that have half a legislature that's red and half that's blue. But also, I would say, you know, and the thing and this is where misogyny and patriarchy play a giant role, and that is. The. The right has always united around guns and abortion. Yeah. And the left has never given a shit about what that means. Women have cared, but women vote against their own interests on this. Men don't give a fuck. They don't prioritize it until society, until our side understands that this movement is solely concerned with abortion and guns, they will, we won't win because we aren't going, because we, we don't talk about it in a way that is says we're talking about the humanity and the self-determination and the literal citizenry and freedom of more than half of the population. I agree. And if people do not connect and you know i you know i am somebody who has voted reluctantly for democrats i think i voted for three people in my life that i was actually excited about paul wellstone bernie and maybe bernie again you know but like i don't i'm a very i'm a person who has never been particularly excited about that and so but and i voted for them because I spend so much time on the road 
with people who are desperately trying to access the care they need so that they have a fighting chance of getting a job that will pay them to get them out of poverty. Yeah. You know, and for, and, and the folks who want to help them with that leg up, the people providing the care who nobody's advocating for. And so when I hear people with privilege saying, how can, you know, abortion's a wedge issue, or how can you focus on that? It's like, because no one else does. And because it is the gateway to emancipation. When and if you decide and how you decide to have a reproductive life is the first decision you'll make to how the rest of your life goes. Yeah. And I mean, and it's, um, it's, uh, <laughs> definitely an economic issue. I definitely, you know, there's definitely like a certain kind of like a male socialist probably who don't listen to this podcast for the most part, but just, you know, who are really into kind of getting back to, you know, kitchen table, material economic issues. And I, I mean, I totally support that, but, um, if you are pregnant and you can't, afford to take care of a baby and you have no plans um for like how to to work and afford child care and like i mean that's there could not be a bigger economic issue than an or environmental pregnancy. issue yeah. or environmental issue or public health issue yeah um you know it, it you know what it, what do you know it's it's ties it intersects with every single issue and, you know, the, the white supremacists who you saw at the Capitol are the same white supremacists who are outside of the clinic screaming. In fact, we have since we've been on the road for about five years, you know, we've been to probably 75 cities and we've met with small groups of organizers and activists. And we've formed a coalition of independent activists who are really scrappy and boots on the ground. And we created a database of the anti-abortion extremists in each of these towns and we're sharing them back and forth. And when the rumblings of the insurrection started, we started seeing the people in our database talking about that. We started live streaming their zoom churches, telling them to that Christians need to take up arms. And when January 6th happened, we as an organization, abortion access front identified 30 anti-abortion people who were at the insurrection. We pulled video of them. We pulled their Facebook names and we reported them to the FBI. So it's, we need to be working together and understand that they are, they're in coalition in a profound way. In fact, one of the leaders of the anti-abortion movement, a guy named Jason Storms, who's head of operation save America slash operation rescue um, was doing a massive fundraiser for Kyle Rittenhouse right after it happened. You know, just like, went up there, was part of those armed white ass wipes who were um, trolling Kenosha. Yeah. So it's just all very connected and real. So if you, let's say right now, um, you are pregnant in a place where abortion is not accessible to you, what are your options? I mean, that's the trick, right? Your options are... Go to the National Network of Abortion Funds, find your state because they will help you um, figure out how to pay for your abortion. 
There's another amazing organization called Midwest Access Coalition who can help you with practical funds. Do you need childcare, hotel, travel? Uh, they'll help you access the care you need. Uh, we're working with both of both of those organizations so that we can help people and drive them to where they need to go. Um, if you're a young person, let's say you're underage and need an abortion, there's an incredible organization called Jane's Due Process that helps minors access abortion, helps minors if they, a lot of states have something called a judicial bypass where you have to go before a judge and beg for your abortion and it's humiliating. Um, so they'll help you there. Um, and basically the, and basically if you want to go to abortionaccessfront.org slash resources, we have all the directions that you need to go to and the places that can help you and where you can also help um, listed on our resources page. Um, and so it's just, and also like for, for me, if you're feeling like, oh my God, I just feel so helpless. You know, we work directly with clinics and we work directly with people on the ground who are doing the work and to be in contact and to be really working side by side with folks, you remember why you do the work. And that part is really heartwarming. It gives you a sense of hope because they're not quitting. They're in it. They're there to help. They're there to provide the care no matter what. Um, also, there's a website called Plan C that you want to go to for um, safe self-managed abortion because um, we have evolved out of, stop talking about hangers and all this other bullshit. What we need to be advocating for is abortion pills by mail and self-managed abortion because um, it's safe. It is safer than taking aspirin. People do it all over the world. And medication abortion is gonna is is leading to be the wave of the future. And we need it accessible to everyone so that they can't shut us down in our homes. And, and how, how far along, like up, up until when in a pregnancy, can you do medication abortion? So on the box, it's in, in America, it says 10 weeks, but really it's 12 weeks. In Europe, they do it up to 12 weeks. So uh, that is... And a lot of people find out they're pregnant around eight weeks. Um, and so it gives you that time to get the medication. Um, the only thing that is preventing medication abortion is politics from being accessible. Um, the FDA under some right wing shitty George Bushy administration, or I, I think, um, yeah, I think it was Bush, um, regulated it to be a drug that had to be prescribed by a doctor. And so this FDA now is about to rule on whether or not they're going to take those restrictions off the medication. And if so, that means that um, doctors can do telemedicine with medication abortion. You can get it. You can hopefully will be able to get it at a pharmacy and hopefully be able to get it through the mail. So that is where the direction we need to go in. And that's one big thing that we should all be fighting for. And that is the thing that like, it, let's say if you lived in a state where abortion is illegal, you could still potentially get a, abortion pills through the mail. Mm hmm. Yeah. Like legally or on the down low? Uh, legally. Really? Yep. OK. If you go to Plan C, you can it, they, they help you legally navigate how to self-manage abortion and how to get abortion pills and navigate it. You know, there's. There's languages around it on how to talk about it. And Plan C has that shit on lock. 
Oh, that's a, that's a really amazing resource. Thank you so much. Um, I'm here to help, man. So, I mean, one of the things in Texas, um, you know, and as you mentioned, we'll probably see a bunch of similar laws popping up, at least potentially, um, that, you know, if you have an abortion, you can still, like, even if you went out of state to get the abortion or you did um, a medication abortion, like, you can still potentially be um fines at least or prosecuted no 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 that's the good news is that texas law only applies in texas so i think that's a super bit but it was very confusing so i'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people thought that but texas law can't follow you to a different state okay and and um if you want to help somebody access abortion outside of the state of texas you absolutely are able to do that. What the law says is you can't, you can be uh, charged with helping someone access abortion within the state of Texas after the six week period. Okay. And you know, yeah. So that's a good thing to know. So um, help people out, help them get out of it, but that shouldn't be the world we live in. Right. The world no, we I live agree in. With you. Right. But I'm um, thank you for clearing that up. I think it's important. And so that's definitely good to know. Um, one thing I've been wondering about is the potential impact on these laws on people who have miscarriages. Yes. Such a good question, because we are seeing an uptick in people uh, having miscarriages and having states intervene and seeing in Texas, for example, uh, or in, in other states, There are laws that say, you know, they need to see if you um, try to do something to yourself uh, to have your miscarriage, try to prosecute you for inducing your own miscarriage and bringing charges against you. And that is some crazy bullshit. And so these laws are affecting people who have miscarried and it is, um, and, and that comes down to just medical coercion and medical inter- and government intervention in medical decisions that are um, should be wholly unacceptable. And so, you know, watching your back, it, because also what if you're having a miscarriage and you go to your local clinic in Texas or whatever state, because that's your doctor. and you miscarry there and your pregnancy is after six weeks, let's say it's Texas. Somebody could sue the clinic, the clinic, they could sue the person that drove you for your miscarriage. Um, And you would have to prove that the person miscarried and that you did not, if you aided and helped the person miscarry, you could be charged. I, I just, I mean, these laws it's are mind blowing. <laughs> it's spectacularly cruel. I mean, I truly can't think of anything, um, just a, a more tragic situation than to be, you know, having a miscarriage for a, a pregnancy that you really wanted and then to be facing criminal action while also dealing with the emotional pain of your miscarriage and physical pain as well. In some cases, it's just spectacularly cruel. Well, and the fact that also people may be too afraid to 
go ask for help during a miscarriage because of prosecutorial um, ramifications. And doctors might be too afraid to help someone because of prosecutorial outcomes that this is what's happening. You know, we saw it just happen last week in Poland where a person had a pregnancy that was killing them and the doctor didn't want to perform an abortion because the penalty is, I think it's like death. And the person died from their pregnancy. And then the Polish government said, oh, well, in that case, you know, you could have done the abortion then. It's like, but I was a doctor. So a doctor shouldn't have to navigate whether it's legal to perform each abortion that the doctor is presented with or, or that the state is going to determine what's life-saving and what isn't. The doctor alone should determine that and no one should be afraid to go to the doctor. Like, that's just insane. I, I completely agree with you. I mean, one thing that leftists advocate for um, is for abortion to not only be accessible, but also free. And also for it to be part of a um, part of, you know, free, zero cost, zero, zero cost at the point of service healthcare. I mean, obviously there'd be, you know, some more um, payment and taxes, but basically like this idea that, you know, an abortion is something that you have to go to a separate clinic for and, you know, pay $600 for, you know, and that it can't be your regular doctor and that it can't be through, you know, your insurance. I don't, I don't want to say insurance because it's like in an ideal society, we don't have insurance, but like, hopefully, you know, like 20 years from now or 10 years from now, like, you, you know, if, if this is, all happening the way that we want it to like what does abortion access look like in like a a good society that's doing it right yeah and i think that in a good society that's doing it right it needs to be a good society that stops stigmatizing abortion understands that abortion is a critical piece of healthcare that somebody might chew in their reproductive choose in their reproductive lifetime, that there's no stigma around it. Like it's it's the stigma comes in from buying into the narrative of the right. And we constantly have bought into the narrative of the right. If you don't believe it's murder, then you can joke about it. You can talk about it. You should accept it. It should be, it should be not even discussed in any way, shape or form. In, in any derogatory way. And I'm sorry, it, it's like, say abortion. There's nothing wrong. I'm pro-abortion. I proudly say it. I have not, it, it doesn't matter to me how people think. And, it, and I say it so that's a jumping off point in conversation because so often people are like, well, you know, I'm pro-choice. No one's pro-abortion. And it's like, you know, I like to unpack that with people. It's like, what made you be so quick to say that. Why do you think that no one's pro-abortion and why do you insist you're pro-choice? And then they'll say, well, people shouldn't be. And it's like, why shouldn't people have as many abortions as they want? You know, these are hard questions that we have to ask ourselves so that we can unpack it and arrive at the fact that abortion is a moral choice and a moral outcome for a pregnancy. And if we want to be a society that honors 
family and honors people, we have to honor all pregnancy outcomes. Because if a 15 year old gets pregnant and their, and, and their moral makeup says, you want to know what? I want to have this kid. Then we need to honor that, that kid so that it can be raised in a healthy family yeah, and, and create a society where that kid can live and thrive and that family can live and thrive. And, and conversely, if somebody says the choice, the, the most, the most, the best choice for me is abortion. We should honor that so that it's free and that it's without shame. And that we are said, here is your path and we want to help you on it. And until we get to that point um, of just like normalizing abortion, I don't know how we get to all the other things around protecting it as a right. I am a hundred percent in agreement with you there. Um, well, I mean, this has been an, an awesome conversation and thank you for uh, shedding light on, on what the implication of, you know, this horrible attack on reproductive freedom is. I did want to talk for a second about your new talk show that you're launching. Yes. Yeah. I am so excited. And then I'm glad, I mean, and I'm glad we're bringing it up because truth be told, these conversations don't happen enough. And we've seen so much bullshit always reported in the news when it happens. The only time we hear about abortion in the news is when there's a crisis and, or, and then we see terrible reporting on it, bad facts, because unless you report on an issue with diligence, regularity, you don't have historical context and you don't have expertise. So what we're doing is we're creating a talk show that is got comedy, that's got uh, facts, information, expert guests who work in the field of abortion care, researchers, doctors, activists, and then we're going to have comedy and music on. So I'm hoping you're going to come on and, and do some comedy with us. But, you know, it's sort of like a show that's going to be weekly on YouTube de debuts December 2nd, and it's going to break down as these issues come up, as these laws are introduced before it gets to critical mass and we can't do anything about it. We're going to be able to talk to the experts who can say, hey, let's shut this shit down now uh, so that we can move on. And so introducing people to all sorts of ways that can get involved, that they can help, not just money-wise, but like giving a little bit of your time. Where can you where can you write a petition? Who should you be giving money to when something's happening in a certain state? Like, how can we just all be more active around this issue to show the legislators that we are a pro-choice nation, we are a nation that believes that abortion access should be free, legal, and accessible uh, so that they have to cast their votes based on majority rules. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be informative. It's going to be provocative. It's called Feminist Buzzkills Live. It's on the Abortion Access Front YouTube channel every Thursday, 4 p.m. Eastern, starting on December 2nd with our first guest, Sarah Silverman. And the, the uh, amazing podcast, Boom Lawyered, which are two lawyers who are experts in following all the legal cases. And they're going to break down the Supreme Court case um, and let us know uh, how they think it went and what we can do moving forward. So it's going to be pretty cool. Well, this has been such an illuminating and fun conversation, Liz. Where can our listeners find you to follow oh my all gosh. your stuff? You can find me personally on all the things at Liz Winstead. And I spell my name with two Zs. You can follow Abortion Access Front. We have a, a great news feed and a great Instagram feed, a good Twitter feed at Access Front. And uh, if you're in the Twin Cities, I'm doing some big, big shows 
uh, year-end wrap-up shows at the Cedar Cultural Center. Um, and you can find all that information on Bands in Town slash Liz Winstead. Thank you so much, Liz. Thank you so much for listening to Reply Guys. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Reply Guys, where we have a catalog of over 25 bonus interviews with renowned writers, journalists, and comedians, with an additional episode uploaded each week. The show is hosted by Kate Willett and me, Julia Clare. Our producer is Genevieve Garrity. Our theme song was performed by Emily Fremgen, who wrote the song with Kate Willett. Our artwork is by Adrian Lobel. If you want to find us on Twitter, we're at Kate Willett with two L's and two T's. And I'm at O Julia Tweets, O-H Julia Tweets. And Twitter is where you can, of course, also find our reply guys. They are always with us. Bernie, take us out. walking that ribbon of highway, I saw above me that endless skyway. I saw below me that golden valley. This land was made for you and me. This land is your land. This land is mine.